Good morning. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, where we'll be uh, focusing our attention for this part of our worship. Matthew chapter 13. It is good to see you this morning. Uh, this hour, boy, it just seems like, uh, I don't know, we, we got to get some energy, you know, thing. we kind of all are, uh, maybe, I don't know, a little sleepy? I don't know. So I'm going to try to uh, do lots of yelling and pounding on my little lectern here. You guys know me. You know how I like to do that. Uh, no, I, I appreciate uh, this opportunity to be with you and uh, share some things that have been, it's, it's been a different kind of study for me this week, as you'll see, uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but it's good to see you this morning. Looking forward to what we're going to do today. Um, I want to spend our time this morning talking about uh, Jesus' most neglected parable. And that is just my own judgment. Uh, I, I haven't taken a poll. Uh, I don't know how we would know how neglected something is in the Bible. But I'll just say, for my part, uh, I've been taken to church and going to church since basically the day I was born. And I've never heard a lesson on this parable. Uh, in fact, most Bibles I know don't even label it a parable. Uh, they, they say something else about it. And so I, I, I want to present something to you from that that I think might be a little bit new uh, in the sense that I, I don't mean that you haven't studied it before, haven't thought about it before, but at the very least, it doesn't get a lot of airtime. And so I wanted to give it some airtime as I tried to figure out just what is he talking about in this section. Uh, but I, I, you know, to begin with, in any lesson that we're going to talk about, I think we have to ask the question, why should we be interested in this? You know, why, why would we care about what's the most neglected parable and what we could learn from it? And so I just want to remind you what a parable is. A parable is something Jesus uses a physical picture of to explain something that's much harder for us to understand, a spiritual truth. So we take things that we grasp to help us grasp things we don't grasp at least not as easily. And so there are things here that Jesus helps us to understand on a deeper level. The other thing is, if Jesus were to come to us today and say, I have a message from God for you, we would pay attention. We would want to know, especially if it was something that was in a language we understood in some kind of picture like this. And so I think that's exactly what's happening here. We, we like to think of ourselves and we're attempting to be disciples of Jesus. So when Jesus speaks things to his disciples, we can learn from them and grow from them as well. So what is the most neglected parable? It's in verse 51 of Matthew 13. Matthew 13 and verse 51. Jesus says, have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is old, I'm sorry, what is new and what is old. So we might call this the parable of the trained scribe or the parable of the master's treasure box. In fact, I'm not sure what to call it. We don't even have a name for it, do we? You don't have a little heading on your thing that says the parable of anything, more than likely. So that's interesting. I think that it shows us that it's a little bit neglected to think about these verses. I just want to spend some time here and see what we can learn. You're probably familiar with the fact that Matthew 13 is full of parables. Matthew 13 has parable after parable after parable, and what that does is explain especially the idea of the kingdom of God as different things that we understand. So the kingdom, he says, is like a sower who sows seed in different kinds of ground, or the kingdom is like wheat and tares, where good and evil people grow up together until the time where they're separated, or the kingdom is like a mustard seed, a little bitty thing that has this great big growth to it, or it's like leaven, a small thing that has a disproportionate impact. 
Or it's like treasure or a pearl, something that's worth giving up everything for. Or it's like a net that you cast out and it brings in all kinds of things and then there is a separation at the end. There's so much to learn in this chapter that applies directly to our situation. We learn about the impact of the message of the gospel, which we still live with and we still present the gospel to people and we see some of the same reactions Jesus describes. And we learn about the interaction between Christians and non-Christians, that we're going to be around non-Christians. That's the way God has designed it until the time when he separates us from each other. We learn about the explosive growth of the kingdom, how the kingdom doesn't just stay static. It tends to multiply. And we also learn about a lot about, actually, the final judgment and that separation that I've referred to several times. So when Jesus gets done with all of that, verse 51, verse 51, have you understood all these things? He speaks to his disciples. Have you understood all these things? See, interspersed between the stories are some of Jesus' interactions with his disciples. And I want you to look back a little bit. I want you to read one of these with me in verse 10, back in Matthew 13 and verse 10. It says, after he presents the original form of the parable of the sower, verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So it's an interesting thing. They ask him, why are you talking in parables? And Jesus says, well, actually, there's two reasons. One of them has to do with revealing truth. And we talked about that already, how Jesus can connect things with uh, everyday things that help us understand. So we understand on a deeper level. We read Matthew 13, and we connect more deeply to God. We see, oh, this is what God's doing and why. But it also has the effect of concealing truth from other people. And Jesus says that very plainly. He says, I want you to hear, and I want them to not hear. The broader crowds do not understand the parables, and they don't get more information about them. And he says that indicates their hearts whereas the disciples do hear and understand, and that indicates their hearts. In fact, I think you see this from the fact that even in this chapter, when they hear a parable, they don't say, "Uh, I don't get it. Instead, they go to Jesus and ask him. Look down a little bit in verse 36, Matthew 13 and verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. All right, so it's pretty, it's an interesting thing to me. He's said a lot of parables and they say, okay, yeah, we get the mustard seed. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. What is going on with the weeds and the wheat? We don't get it. And so Jesus explains it to them carefully. But that interest, that desire, that passion to say, you know what? I didn't get this at first glance. Tell me more. Help me to see it. I'm focused on this. You see what's happening in that mindset. It says, I really do believe that Jesus has information that I need. And I believe that there's something here. It's not that Jesus is the one missing the point. It's that I'm the one missing Jesus' point. So I want to pursue it. I want to know more about it. And then there are people who just walk away and say, "Ah, this is a hard saying. I'll go somewhere else. This is not what I'm looking for. 
And Jesus says that the parables have a natural way of sifting people like that. The other thing I want to say, as Jesus in our parable here, verse 51, says, do you understand all these things? Is that there is a focus in this chapter on understanding that's closely connected to what we just talked about. If you look back at that quotation, look at verse 13. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Verse 14, he quotes, you will indeed hear, but never understand. Verse 15, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Verse 19, and talking about the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Verse 23, in the parable of the sower, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another case 60, and another 30. So understanding is a key to properly receiving the word. Understanding is the idea of accepting that Jesus has truth here and that I'm going to have to work to understand it. I'm going to have to work to perceive it. So these are people who are more receptive in their understanding. So back to verse 51. Verse 51, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, yes. Well, I think we could take that in a couple of ways, right? I don't believe that the disciples are saying, yeah, we get it all. We are masters of all of this information. In fact, it's a couple of chapters. It's Matthew 15 where Jesus has a little saying that he says to them and uh, about the uh, whatever goes, comes out of a man is what defiles him, not what goes into him. And uh, Jesus rebukes them for not understanding it. I mean, that happens from time to time where Jesus says, don't you get this? So I don't think they're saying, yes, we understand everything, but I do think they are saying, if you're talking about people who understand versus people who don't, we want to be in the understanding group. If you're talking about people who are seeking the truth from you, that's us. We understand, and we get a basic, uh, we have a basic understanding of everything that you've said. We kind of get your point about the kingdom of heaven. So based on that response, Jesus gives them more. See, in verse 52, he said to them, therefore... I think on the basis of you understanding, therefore, there's more now you get to know. Remember what Jesus said back in in verse 10 to 17. He said, to everyone who has, more will be given. So now you have this, you understand it. Let me give you a little more. Verse 52, he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Scribes were students of the law of Moses, Of course, that idea originally came from them copying the law, but they also became influential, not just as students, but then as teachers. And you see them in that role throughout the Gospels, where they're usually connected with the Pharisees, and they are well-known and well-respected, but they are usually in opposition to Jesus. You don't really see scribes becoming disciples. And that's interesting because Jesus is talking about scribes who are trained for the kingdom of heaven. That word trained is the word that usually is translated something like discipled or made a disciple. To train or to disciple someone is, of course, to go through a process of teaching so that you become like the master. So every scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven, every tribe scribe who is discipled or taught, has some kind of special blessing. All right, so here is the part of the lesson. I want you to hear me because this is key to everything that we're going to talk about from here on. 
I do not believe that Jesus is talking about literal scribes. I do not believe that he is saying all the scribes that end up following me. For one, we don't have a record of any scribe following Jesus. Nowhere. At least not to my knowledge. If you know of one, come tell me because I have not found any. But beyond that, that's not really who he's talking to or who he's talking about in our context, is it? He's talking to disciples. He's been talking to his disciples. He is continuing to instruct his disciples. And it seems to me what he is saying is something a little different. That is, I think that Jesus is saying that those who have been trained for the kingdom become like scribes. We might call them they are scribes for the kingdom. Okay, so that idea, someone who has been trained for the kingdom like a scribe, now is a teacher, now is a student, now knows things that he did not know before. He has been trained in a new way. And he is saying to his disciples, we have a role of understanding and teaching what we have been trained in. We now know things in the kingdom of heaven about the kingdom of heaven just based on what they've already heard in this chapter. And now there are some responsibilities and some blessings that spring out of that. So when we do become scribes for the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, I want to draw a comparison. That's what verse 52 is about. He says, therefore, every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. So a couple of those ideas are in our immediate context. First of all, the idea of treasures back in verse 44, where he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And so it's so valuable that when you find the treasure, you're going to sell everything you have and go buy it. Go buy the field so you're going to have the treasure. So you bring out of your treasure. Treasure is something that now disciples have, and they can now bring things out of it. Like a master of a house might have a lot of things in his house. Okay, he has treasure, and because he has received it, he can bring out of it things for others. And he also talks about, in verse 52, things that are new and things that are old. We need to think about that image a little bit. Don't worry, we're headed somewhere. I'm not just rambling around here. But um, we need to think about the idea of new and old a little bit. Jesus frequently uses the idea of new and old to describe how he, personally, Jesus, and the kingdom bring something new that is a challenge to what is old, to the established order of the day. Sometimes that's about the law of Moses. Sometimes that's about the practices of his contemporaries that have been there for a long period of time, but it is a challenge. And so you might remember how he talks about, don't think that I came to abolish the law. Okay, I haven't come to abolish, but to fulfill. Matthew chapter 5, 17 to 20. He also talks about how when they challenge, we talked about this last week with fasting. When they challenge him about why don't your disciples fast, he says, well, you don't put new wine in old wineskins because it will burst the skins. The, the old things have a hard time handling me, Jesus says, and what I'm bringing and I'm teaching. Now, that shouldn't be because I'm the natural fulfillment of those things, and yet it still is the case. So when you see all of that, I think we have the implication that Jesus is saying, I'm something new. The kingdom of heaven idea is something new. And the scribe for the kingdom of heaven is able to bring out of his treasure what's new and what's old. Both of those things together. All right, so let's put all that together. When disciples are trained for the kingdom, they are like owners of a house 
with treasure inside. Out of their treasure, they pull out new things and old things. They have a deeper and fuller understanding than the mere scribes of the law, and they can be of greater use to God because of that. So I want to take two things from that that I think will help us as we think about what does this mean for you and me. The first of those is uh, disciples understand Scripture more deeply. That should be deeply, not clearly. I don't know who made these notes on the PowerPoint. But here it says deeply in my own notes. So. For those who don't get that joke, I always make the PowerPoints and I always make all the mistakes. And uh, so I always call for the guy to be fired who makes all the mistakes on the PowerPoint. Uh, disciples understand Scripture more deeply is what I mean. So uh, one mark of the scribe, the, the actual literal scribe, was his deep mastery of Scripture. These were the Scripture experts. But Jesus says here that the scribes trained for the kingdom are the ones with the real riches. They understand far more. Why is that? It's pretty simple. They've been given something by Jesus. They've been taught. They've been given greater treasure. But they've received that understanding. Why? Remember what we talked about in the beginning? Because they had the passion and the interest and the desire to dig deeper into what Jesus was saying and how that connected with what came before. They understand on a deeper level because Jesus has taught them on a deeper level. They grasp things that mere scribes do not. Just the scribes of the law never got to where disciples of Jesus actually got. Now remember, part of the point of the parable of the sower is that not everybody understands the word because not everybody wants to. So disciples are not better than other people. That's not the distinction. Disciples are more receptive than other people. We are willing to listen. And we're willing to say, you know, this doesn't make sense to me on face value, but I'm not going to throw it away because of that. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to seek it out. And when we do that, there is a deeper treasure that we find. We gain understanding that is like treasure. And then look at verse 52 again. Verse 52 Every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. See, when we have that understanding, we are able to bring out of what we have received what is new and what is old. We are conversant in the older truths, and we can blend them seamlessly with the new truths. We see things that used to be hidden. In fact, there are a couple of places in this very chapter where he talks about things that were hidden and have now been revealed. There are a lot of people, he says, who wanted to see and know what you see and know, but weren't allowed, weren't able. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Or he talks about how parables are him uttering things hidden from the foundation of the world. So, so they're old things, but they're newly revealed. And we're able to blend the old and the new and understand both of them. That's what Jesus intends for disciples. Scribes trained for the kingdom able to understand what's new and what's old and deeply understand the will of God. Now, let me just say this. I think that by implication, what Jesus is expecting here is that disciples have a rich and deep understanding of the Old Testament, of the things that God revealed prior to the coming of Jesus and the kingdom. Because those things are also part of God's revelation and God's will, and they lead into the new thing. He doesn't just say, 
everything is new now. You just bring out what is new. He says he can bring out what's old and what's new. You can understand them both. And disciples understand more than scribes of the law because disciples understand the ultimate purposes of God. We know where God was heading in all of those passages in the Old Testament. We know what they were pointing toward. We even know some things that they could never have guessed. Have you ever done that where you read the Old Testament and you see some messianic prophecy and you wonder, I wonder what a Jew who read this in their own time would have thought. We did that some, we were reading through the Psalms this week in our men's study. We came across Psalm 22, which is full of these references that that are clearly messianic. And yet what would people have thought when they sung that Psalm? They wouldn't have guessed how many different ways this would be fulfilled. But, But disciples know. We understand the depth of the scripture and how God has sort of signaled his intentions long before they came to pass. We see a bigger picture because disciples, Jesus says, are intended to understand scripture more deeply. So just like a master of the house might have a whole lot of things to show off from his house. He might bring out something that because of its great age is amazing. And you say, wow, that's super old. How cool is that? But he also might bring out something that is new and shiny and is awesome because it is so brand new. He can bring out both. So disciples of Jesus have knowledge that's old and knowledge that's new, and we can bring it all out and show it to others. You know, uh, one of the best examples of this, in my view, is the Apostle Paul. The idea of a deeper understanding of Scripture. If you read Paul's writings... And you, you just step back from a minute. I, I have a Bible where uh, it will block off quotations from the Old Testament. And you just watch how many times in Paul's reasoning, I'm thinking particularly of the book of Romans, I've been studying in Romans this week, how many times Paul, he almost can't take a step without quoting from the Old Testament over and over again. And yet there is also information in Paul's letters that is completely new with the coming of Jesus. And Paul is able to take his extensive background in the law of Moses and blend it together with what he now sees. And sometimes, like in Romans 9, 10, and 11, he is explaining everything he sees with the Jews' rejection of Jesus and what God has planned next. And he's saying, God signaled this a long time ago. Haven't you read this? Haven't you read this? Haven't you read this? And I am in awe of a disciple of Jesus who can interpret the events of today by bringing out treasures that are old and that are new. He understands God's will because he is like a a scribe trained for the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm not saying we have to have Paul's background to be what Jesus says here. I think all of us are going to fail that test. I am saying that it may be that we have some work to do in understanding the knowledge that we've been given more deeply, appreciating the treasures that Jesus has revealed to us. But... When we are trained for the kingdom, we are ready to bring out good and bad, old and new, things that are clear, things that are deep, whatever the situation calls for. So what I want us to stress is that we have an incredible blessing here. And Jesus is expecting us to understand and appreciate the blessing. And then he expects us to share the blessing. So let's look at the second half of this. The other thing I want to say here is that disciples teach what they understand. So Jesus starts by asking them, have you understood? Verse 51. 
Have you understood? And when they say yes, he says, all right, good. Now here's your responsibility. So now, he says, you're like a master of a house. And I want you to notice the terminology in verse 52. Every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Your job is now to bring things out of what you have received. You received it, now you bring it out. What's new and what's old. You share it with other people. That's part of what it meant to be a scribe. To be a scribe, it was not just you study. It was that you study so that you can share with other people, so that you can teach. How much more do disciples, given their deeper, clearer understanding, not have a responsibility to share that understanding with other people? He says, do you understand? Good. Now go teach. Teach what you understand. That is the pattern. He wants disciples to think of themselves like a master of the house with treasure. And the goal is not to hoard the treasure and just enjoy it for yourself. The goal is to bring it out so that other people can benefit from it. Jesus challenged his disciples to do this. He calls some of his disciples and says, I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, I will make you into teachers, into people that you were not before. I, I don't know that we remember this because we see the apostles later on after they've become teachers but they were not teachers before. They were fishermen and tax collectors. They had other jobs. And they don't seem to be, I think they were spiritually interested people. I don't deny that. But they were not teachers in the way we think of them. Jesus called them to teach on the basis of their understanding. You get it. You understand it. Now go share it with other people. And then he says, now go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Go teach what you understand. He does not expect them to teach things beyond their understanding. But he says, if you understand, now you have the treasure, now you need to share the treasure. I will say this. I think sometimes we overcomplicate this idea. I, I phrased it this way because of the text's wording. But I think there's an important idea here. Teaching what you understand. Jesus isn't calling us to teach what we don't understand. I understand, you know, somebody might say something about the Trinity or something like that. I, I get that there are some difficult concepts that we might not fully understand and still teach. But what I mean is, our great fear in teaching other people seems to be that they're going to come up with some question that we don't know how to answer. Guess what? They probably will. There are all kinds of questions that we have no answers for. But Jesus isn't saying, you know, hey, your job is to answer all the questions, even the things I haven't told you about. Just figure it out. He says, what you understand, teach. What you understand about the kingdom of heaven, what I've taught you and you get it, now you share it. It is not enough to understand it for ourselves. We have to bring it out for others. So we have a working knowledge. And I think all of us in this room, have a working knowledge of what God sent Jesus to do and what God calls us to do. I don't think anyone here has a lack of understanding about those things. So we may not have a full understanding of every doctrinal topic. That's okay. Teach what you understand. Have you understood these things? Then bring them out. Share them with others. That's what Jesus is saying. See the treasure you have and bring it out at every opportunity. Don't keep the treasures you've received to yourself. That's the point of the parable. 
All right, so that, I believe, is Jesus' most neglected parable. But we didn't neglect it. We have covered it. We've thought about it. I hope it'll help you. I think there is something powerful here, especially I want us to think of ourselves as scribes trained for the kingdom of heaven. And I want us to think of ourselves as people who have a deeper understanding, not because of any virtue of ours, but because of the revelation we have through Jesus. I appreciate your attention. We'll be dismissed for our classes.